The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. It is Mock Draft Monday, and it is also the first time we're really reacting to football, or at least a lot of football, in man, months and months and months since December or January. Welcome to the show. Adam Azer here, Jamie Eisberg, Chris Towers for Fantasy Football Today. Yeah, on Friday we did talk about the Thursday night games, but uh, we had a, basically a full slate over the weekend, and we will discuss it from Miles Gaskin to Philip Lindsay to the Baltimore Ravens who have won 18 preseason games in a row. And my biggest takeaway, guys, the Denver Broncos starters are a lot better than the Minnesota Vikings backups. But it was a great day for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Did the Vikings have a single Saturday. backup or a starter in the game? Not that I'm aware of. They did not. <laughs> but the Broncos really did look good. I get thumbs up. Thumbs up. All right. We got winners and losers. Did you hear Mike Zimmer after the game? No, I didn't. When KJ Hamler scored, or talking about KJ Hamler's uh, score, he goes, we watched that little guy in practice for two days. They know he's fast. <laughs> <laughs> that little guy. Oh man, yeah, it was it was not a great show. Like, but what do you expect when you don't play any of your of your starters? All you know, all of the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks, really interesting. They did some very good things, some very bad things. But let's get into it. Let's go biggest preseason week one winner, Jamie. Uh, I'm going to give you three and three rookie wide receivers. Uh, I was really impressed with Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Love what all three of them did, and uh, excited to see more from those three guys moving forward. Uh oh. Chris has a Monra St. Brown as a loser. How? Yeah, and that's mostly just because of the usage. He only played 11 of the 22 snaps that Jared Goff was on the field for, and they used him exclusively um, as a third receiver. So he wasn't on the field for any of their two wide receiver or one wide receiver sets. And so my look, my thought looking at it is just on a team that's going to run the ball, on a team that's not going to probably play an 11 personnel much, he's he may not be on the field all that much if that's the usage moving forward. Obviously, first preseason game, the caveat goes with everything we're talking about. But yeah. based on what we saw yesterday, I'm a little worried about playing time for him at least. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you if you watched him, but he looked yeah. great. No, he looked um, good, yeah. And, and uh, I don't necessarily think for – well, you say they want to run the ball a lot. I don't think they're going to have the luxury of running the ball a lot um, given what their team is probably going to look like. Uh, also, when they go to their two tight end package, you're going to see a lot of probably TJ Hawkinson's put out wide and still uh, St. Brown playing in the slot. And I think you're going to see, based on Jared Goff's track record, he's going to lean on that kid quite a bit. So I uh, had also a big catch taken away on a penalty. Uh, I was excited to watch him play. Uh, yeah, so good start for him. Rondell Moore, I thought, <laughs> good start for him. I think both of you make valid points here. We'll see about the the personnel and the playing time. Um and if any of the wide receivers can distinguish themselves, you know, because Tyrell Williams also did some good stuff. 
uh, and not a lot to go off of. We're not we're not freaking out. We're not overreacting to, to much here. I, I'm, I am curious about Miles Gaskin. I'm sure we'll talk about him when we get to the losers. Yeah. Uh, Rondell Moore, <clears throat> you know, it, it was gimmicky the way they used him, but it, they used him. I, I, well, that's yeah, that's what I like about him is that I, I think they're going to manufacture a lot of plays for him in that way because he's so good with the ball in his hands. You know, it was. I think his freshman year at Purdue, he it was something like 71% of his yards came after the catch. You know, he's real small, but he's extremely dense. He's hard to bring down. And so, um, you know, I've been referring to him as kind of like the, the skeleton key that can open up a lot of what the Cardinals want to do on offense because Cliff Kingsbury loves to do a lot of short, uh, designed passes to his wide receivers to get the ball in their hands in space with blockers. And Rondell Moore can be exceptional in that role. The only concern for me would be that, you know, because A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins didn't play, I don't know if he's the number three or the number four right now. But they play more four wide receiver sets than any team, so he'll still be on the field. Yeah, and, you know, Marquez Callaway, I don't know if, Chris, you were going to bring him up, but I got to bring him up as a winner. First drive of the game with Taysom Hill, he had three catches. And for me, there's no question I'm – drafting him over uh, Traquan Smith, who was not playing, but mm-hmm. you know, I still think Callaway, I'm, I'm going to ride the momentum here. Uh, would you guys take Callaway over Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore, Amonra St. Brown, maybe even Elijah Moore at this point, who's who's on the shelf, hopefully just temporarily? Is Callaway that big of a riser that he should go ahead of many of the rookie wide receivers? No, he'll he'll be in that group for me. I, I think I'd still rather have the Moors than him, but I, I think he's right there. The problem for Callaway is is that those other guys are coming back. You know, at, at whatever point Michael Thomas comes back, and whatever point Traquan Smith comes back, so he's been the star of training camp by default. <laughs> but uh, it's good to see him playing that he is, and I agree with you. You should take him over Traquan Smith now. But uh, by the end of camp, if Traquan's back this week and he starts to put on, you know, good performance and puts up some numbers in the preseason, I think Smith's going to go ahead of Callaway. All right, Chris, who are your winners? Yeah, I'll throw out, I think, just the fact that all of the rookie quarterbacks at least looked good. You know, none of them fell on their face. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that they're going to be stars, but you'd rather see them perform well than struggle, and all of them performed varying levels of well. I think Justin Fields was obviously the the most impressive of them, you know, playing against backups can do that, but he looked really good in both phases of the game, his running and his passing. Uh, Trey Lance had the big 80 yard touchdown to Trent Sherfield. That was a really nice play. Uh, he also had an interception dropped. He was five for 14. So it wasn't, you know, an incredible performance, but I think you can t- move forward with all the rookie quarterbacks thinking that, you know, at the very least from what we've seen so far, they all look passable. I'll also throw out Josh Palmer, who um, seems to be locked into the number three wide receiver role for the Chargers. Uh, they used him kind of like Keenan Allen in this one, just a lot of really short throws, but he was targeted a ton. Um, and then Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. They didn't play on Saturday, and I think that's a that makes them winners because it sure seems like they've locked up uh, starting jobs in that offense already. So it was, you know, John Brown and Zay Jones out there in the first preseason game uh, rather than the two young guys. So yeah, both of them should be late-round sleepers. Really strange what's happened to John Brown. <laughs> yeah, He's been a productive player when he's healthy, yeah. but right now he is not 
on the first team with the Raiders. So, um, Jamie, would you draft Brian Edwards? Ahead? I, I think at this point you got to draft Ruggs ahead of Brown, right? But would you draft Edwards ahead of Brown too? Yeah, yeah, you have to. Um, you know, I, I think by the start of the season, you'll see Brown playing a little bit more. And, and you know, I think the thing about him playing over Brian Edwards is he's new to the team. Brian Edwards has been with the team for over a year, so that probably factors into a little bit of how the personnel was used over the weekend. Uh, but obviously you've got to, you know, go with what the, the training report, training camp reports have been where John Brown's the fourth receiver and Edwards is the, you know, playing on the outside, uh, over him. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out, but right now Edwards is the riser and Brown is the follower. I feel Lindsay is obviously a winner. He had the first five carries of the game, uh, for the Houston Texans and David can't Johnson, draft David Johnson now at that point where he's going, what's that? You can't draft oh. David Johnson anywhere no. close to where he's been going. No. Which right now on CBS is about a hundredth overall, and it's it's dropping. But but can you draft can you draft Philip Lindsay as a top one hundred pick? I'd rather have Lindsay than Johnson at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's around one hundred would probably be the the high point for where I'd go because David Johnson was the third down back here, and so I, I think you have to assume that Philip Lindsay is going to be the lead back. But Mark Ingram didn't play in this one. And, you know, say what you want about Mark Ingram, but him and Lindsey were listed as co-starters on the first depth chart. And, you know, clearly at least Lindsey being listed above David Johnson was legitimate. So um, I I think it's probably a situation where he's going to still end up splitting work. Um, I'm not particularly excited about it, either of them. Okay, Jamie, let's go to the losers. Who were your biggest preseason week one losers? I mean, you mentioned it, Miles Gaskin. That was just, I, I don't get it. And, and Malcolm Brown looked the part of Malcolm Brown, eight carries for nine yards. Um, <laughs> you know, so get him the hell out of there and, and let Miles Gaskin go back to being the guy. Uh, you know, Gaskin spoke, um, I think it was last week, uh, sometime in the last two weeks, about how the offense is different from a year ago. And clearly it's different for him because when he was healthy last year, especially, you know, week three on, he was the guy for the Dolphins, and you know I, I certainly had high expectations for him, and, and that was the most discouraging thing for me to see Brown, you know, outsnap him thirteen to seven uh, with the first team offense, and Gaskin be more of a third down back. Uh, he played into you know the the second quarter with the backups, whereas you know Brown was off the field. So Malcolm Brown has to be a late round target at this point. Gaskin is is not worth drafting today. Uh, at his ADP, which is I think round fifty third overall uh, on CBS, so it's. Uh, it was very discouraging to see that in, in the first preseason game for Miami. So, yeah, how much of a reaction are we going to have to this? So, so are you going to, say, maybe take a Michael Carter or Javante Williams or Chase Edmonds, someone in that group ahead of Miles Gaskin now? Yeah. I mean, in drafting today, I, I think you have to. You know, it's just if he's not going to be the starter and going to be a third down back and they're going to use both guys, I mean, the, the, the attractiveness of Miles Gaskin, what made him so attractive was the fact that he was – so, uh, so used, you know, his, his yeah. usage last year was just ridiculous. And if, you know, bringing in Malcolm Brown was an indication that they were going to use him to this level to make him the starter, to use him, you know, uh, almost double the snaps with the first team. Um, you can't, I, I still think Gaskin's the better player. This isn't take Malcolm Brown over Miles Gaskin. This isn't sink Miles Gaskin to, you know, to the levels of David Johnson because I want to see more. But drafting right now, you know, where, where I was looking at Gaskin in some cases in the fourth round, you know, and, and there's no way you can do that now. Yeah, I, I thought Gaskin had the potential to be, you know, a top 15 back if he had the same role as he did last season. 
uh, played 65% of the snaps in each of his games. You know, that this is, it's certainly frustrating to see Malcolm Brown, you know, kind of essentially doing what he did, at least in the first preseason game, doing what he did to Cam Akers value early on last season, where, you know, whether we think he's good or not, you know, clearly he, he seems to have the trust of the coaching staff and, that is definitely a concern well, for me at this point. I'm not, I don't know that I want to go there yet, guys. I, I tried so hard to find something written about it, and it wasn't, I didn't see much covered. I just found this right now in the sunset. None of the Dolphins beat writers talk about the running back. Well, well, Cameron Wolf works for the NFL Network, used to be the Dolphins beat writer for ESPN. He was asked about this over the weekend because uh, I'm sure, like a lot of people who have either done their drafts or in dynasty leagues or are looking at this, I, I don't know if it was a fantasy question per se, but he was asked. Uh, what's the deal with Malcolm Brown and Miles Gaskin? He he replied, Miles Gaskin is still their guy. So right. I don't think again, you don't panic and necessarily sink Miles Gaskin. And, and I don't want to convey that, but you you mentioned a group of running backs, Adam, that I think he is now in the mix with of Carter and Williams and, and Edmonds, the guys who are going behind him. I think you just got to drop into that range. Okay, yeah. No, this is what I was gonna yeah. read from the Sun Sentinels. It, Tailback rotation was puzzling. Malcolm Brown started Saturday's game and struggled for most of the day, gaining eight yards on nine carries. He also failed to punch it in on some goal line runs in the first quarter, which resulted in a field goal. Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed, uh, who have spent most of training camp as the Dolphins' top two backs, work sporadically in the first half. Ahmed is also a part of this equation. It's not clear that that he wouldn't, you know, next week or week two preseason, Gaskin could start, but Ahmed could be in the rotation too, so... Right. It, it sort of should go without saying here that none of this is none of what we saw this weekend should dramatically change your opinion on anyone. Right. But it, um, it, it puts Gaskin in the four five range now to the six seven range. And, and yeah, I, I that, dropped into RB twenty eight, so just a few spots. Um just because I was assuming he was gonna have a similar role as last year. And, and I think the I other part of this, and I'll go back to what I said about John Brown. Malcolm Brown's the new guy, you know. So let's see what Malcolm Brown can do in live action, and that might be something the Dolphins are exploring. And, and yeah, I'll right. also add one of the running backs that you compared him to. Again, first preseason game, small sample size, but it is what we have to work with. Michael Carter was the 1B for the Jets with Tevin Coleman out. It was Ty Johnson who led the team in snaps with Zach Wilson on the field. He... They basically split first and second down, and then Ty Johnson, I believe, got all of the third down snaps with yes. Zach Wilson on the field. So it's a mm. one game. It's Michael Carter's first game ever. Who knows what that actually means, but it's disappointing, especially because Michael Carter's gotten a lot of pre uh, praise for his work in the passing game and training camp. I kind of thought he was the third down back at the very least. So, you know, that that's one that I'm certainly going to be watching a lot more closely in the next couple of weeks. Any other big losers? Adam Troutman was not exciting. <laughs> Three of his nine. He was out there for nine. Yeah, he was out there for nine pass plays and blocked on three of them. That's, yeah, it was, uh, it was frustrating. Yeah. And uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne, you know, when they added Travis Etienne... Urban Meyer had all those quotes about, you know, we view Carlos Hyde and and James Robinson as our first and second down backs, and then we we've sort of written off that, and you know, Carlos Hyde has been irrelevant. He did get a handful of snaps with the first team offense, and 
I don't think Carlos Hyde's going to be fantasy relevant, but if he's going to have even a small role in this offense, it's going to make things you know, even tougher for Robinson and ETN to stand out. Well, and listen, I, I think if you draft any rookie running back other than Najee Harris, <clears throat> you might have to just be patient. And yeah. it's, well, it, yeah, it's going to, it's going to take some time for guys to take over. But if Michael Carter's competition is Ty Johnson, I'm going to bet on Michael Carter. And honestly, if Miles Gaston's competition is Malcolm Brown, I'm, I'm probably going to bet on Miles Gaston. But I, but I'm not. I do come away. I think we all probably come away from the Dolphins game feeling like, uh, obviously, you guys have dropped him in your rankings. Feeling less secure about Miles Gaskin's role. Eat Miles Gaskin's role, even if he does end up being the starter, it may not be in a way that we were anticipating. And guys, I just have to talk about Javante Williams because going back to winners. I thought he looked so good. Now, you could also call him a loser because he was splitting time with Royce Freeman. But if you saw the touchdown run that was called back, what did he do? He broke a tackle. He is such an incredible, at the college level, collegiate level, I think Jacob Gibbs said he broke like 57% of attempted tackles. So, Javante Williams, you know, the Vikings basically just put up no fight. They had all their backups in there. The Broncos ran all over them. But I'm so excited about Javante Williams. Maybe I'm overreacting. But I was, you know, I've been excited about it since the draft pick. I, I right away, I had him ahead of Melvin Gordon, and uh, he didn't hurt his case. Melvin Gordon didn't play, but he didn't hurt his chances in week one. So, just wanted to thumbs up there. No, he looked good, you know. Just and and you don't know what Mike Boone's status is either. You know, he got hurt last week. No, he's so. uh he's out four to five weeks, I believe. He does right, but I'm saying once he's healthy, yeah. you know what his role is going to be. You know, they basically use Royce Freeman in, in Mike Boone's role, I would guess. All right, we'll see if we have time for a few more preseason reactions. Uh, make sure you watch Fantasy Football Today, our video show. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern today on Monday, but typically it's noon Eastern every Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, Fantasy Football Today, and once the season starts, Sunday morning as well. It's a big month for us. We're supporting St. Jude. We're raising a lot of money, and we want you to be part of it. Draft Prepping for Charity Month. Uh, we're going to have various eBay auctions supporting St. Jude and culminating in our Draftathon event on September 1st. And you've heard about our pre-draft calls already, but now we've added a beer with Heath over Zoom. So if you want that, or if you want a spot in the 2021 Fantasy Football Today Podcast League and a custom-designed fantasy team logo, go to cbssports.com slash eBay. I love the logo idea, by the way. That's awesome. cbssports.com slash eBay to donate and bid. That is cbsports.com slash eBay. You guys want to hear something funny? Let's yeah. hear let's hear Ben Schrager talk. <laughs> ben? CBS Sports. Oh. Yeah. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> Dude's coming down with something. Yeah. I hope, hope you're feeling he's feeling fine. So we'll make fun of his weird voice. Uh, but Ben is uh, Donate to St. Jude. Yeah, I'll say that in the weird voice. There you go. Donate to St. Jude, everyone. <laughs> Says Ben. News and notes. Curtis Samuels off the pup list. All right, let's take a look at Curtis Samuels' ADP and CBS. I'm going to start using CBS ADP a little bit more. Wow, 100 and about 130th. So that feels like a bargain. Curtis Samuel, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, good to see him back uh, out there. Uh, we'll see how much you know the, the lost time has hurt in his rapport with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I'd be very surprised if he's not the second best receiver on the Washington football team. Would you rather have LaVisca Chenault or Curtis Samuel? Uh, I would rather have Samuel. I'd rather have Chenault. 
<laughs> I hope it wasn't a microcosm of what we saw with the Jaguars, but on the first drive, Chenault had a few targets. On the next drive, Marvin Jones had the targets, and DJ Chark, of course, didn't play. Okay, uh, Dak Prescott's shoulder is healing well, according to Adam Schefter. Devontae Smith is now day-to-day. Hopefully we see him back soon, Devontae Smith. Green Bay backup quarterback Jordan Love could miss some time with a shoulder injury. Doesn't seem too serious. He might miss a week or so. Pittsburgh acquired perhaps their starting middle linebacker, Joe Schobert from Jacksonville. Uh, Houston wi- wide, re- Yeah, for a six-round pick. Houston wide receiver Anthony Miller has a slight dislocation of his shoulder. There goes that passing game. Yeah. <laughs> Tavon Austin stole a catch from Tim Tebow. That wasn't very nice. And as they I mentioned... Him, by the way. Oh, the blocking? Yeah. No, yeah, no comment. Nah, if you see the video of Tim Tebow blocking, it's just he's not... It well, was not a good moment. Yeah. Baltimore has won 18 straight preseason games. That is one short of an NFL record. How about that? Okay. I don't know if there's any more. How many years? Five? Five, I guess. This would be five. Except unless you, you know, not counting last year, obviously. <clears throat> I just have some, some general notes. I don't know if you guys want to just fire through some more preseason stuff. Probably not because, you know, it's preseason week one. Uh, bad starts for the Giants and the Jaguars offensive lines. The starters, bad. Um, not much to glean from the Bucks backfield rotation. All three of them played. Oh, I think that's what you take away from it. Yeah, but it was just so limited. I, I, I really was not impressed with Trey Sermon. He fumbled. He didn't make any big play, any good plays, really. He up his hand on the fumble, too. He had he two catches. Off, but... Yeah. But he's... I, you know, his best path to playing is probably Mostert, to, to starting, is probably Mostert getting hurt, or at least having a big role. I don't He'll think he's be the second guy, him. you know, and again, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, I think he's going to need more volume to be successful, and I don't know if he's going to get that with Mostert healthy. Right. Okay. Let's talk about our mock draft. 12-team PPR mock draft, and interesting picks include Nick Chubb going eighth overall. I don't think any of us are doing that in full PPR. That was ahead of Kelsey, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Dan Schneier had a really interesting team. He picked 12th. He went Barkley and Taylor with his first two picks. So that's a lot of fun, but obviously very risky. <clears throat> and I will say that this draft made me realize one thing, guys. I want an early pick, a top five pick so badly. I do I'm not enjoying picking late, but hey, we'll make it work. You know, we'll make it work. I the well, you did something that I think is is worth discussing, and I know you when we when I brought it up to you, um, just because you mentioned where you're picking, is something that I think we should reiterate to people that might be drafting for the first time. Pay attention <laughs> to the people around you. Yeah, I I made a rookie mistake. I was doing a podcast while drafting, but yes, go ahead, Jamie. You can tell the tell so the mistake you, I made. You started your team with Najee Harris and Stephon Diggs, correct? No, Tyreek Hill in round one, Najee Harris. Tyreek Hill and, and Najee Harris, excuse me. So, and you just mentioned what Dan did after you. He picked two running backs. So you got to your round three pick and you took Chris Carson and then ended up with Amari Cooper. Now, I don't know if Cooper was the receiver you were targeting. Cooper Cup went ahead of Amari Cooper. Uh, maybe you wanted Patrick Mahomes, who also went after your selection. But when you made your pick, I said to you, why are you taking Chris Carson? And you said, you know how much I love him. And I said, well, that, that would assume that you were, or you were assuming that Dan would have taken him, but he took two running backs to start his team. So it's a risky game, obviously, to play because you never know what the person is going to do. 
but sometimes you just need to read their or check their roster and no, especially, you know, you know how Dan drafts. I doubt he's going to go three running backs. So, yeah. you know, when you pick near the end, 10, 11, maybe nine, you know, see what's happening behind you. Uh, cer- uh, certainly at the front end of the draft, if you're picking, you know, in the top four, uh, if you're two, three or four, know what's happening when it comes back on that end. Um, because you can kind of play the board a little bit differently. And, and you might have gotten Chris Carson in round four as opposed to round three and maybe gotten one of the two players that Dan selected in Mahomes or Cup. Yeah, I, I would have taken Mahomes if I had been paying attention, but I promise I had a legit excuse this time. I was doing a fantasy football today. And right, right. And, and again, I, I, <laughs> when you said it to me, I understand it, but I, I think it's just worth pointing out, you know, for people that are drafting for the first time, look yeah. at the person behind you if you're, if you're on an end. Absolutely. And always the roster grid is a really useful tool, especially kind of later in the draft. You're going, oh man, I need a tight end, but I don't know if I should take one here. You click the roster grid, you see 10 other teams have tight ends. So it's only you and one other person who needs a tight end. And that might help you wait an extra round or two. Same thing. Know your league though. If there's a, you know, annually two or three guys take two quarterbacks early, take two tight ends, you know, just keep that in mind also. Okay, so I don't know, um, Jamie, if you had any major takeaways from this draft. Or well, I think the, the 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 most interesting part of this draft was what Jack Capitorto did because oh, yeah, that, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was fascinating how it played out. And I thought his team was okay. You know, it's not a strategy I would certainly recommend. Uh, but he drafted all players from the NFC East. This was um, so funny. I, I and, can't believe he pulled off a pretty solid squad. And, and Heath and I were trying to figure this out. Like, which divisions could you do this with? like realistically and which ones like would you totally avoid like the AFC East is one you would probably avoid because unless you go Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen with your first two picks it probably doesn't work and that those aren't exactly two players you want to take with your first two picks um you know you, you can certainly play it out however you want to you know like the NFC North would be fun because you can have three players in the first round with Dalvin Cook Aaron Jones Devonta Adams obviously the AFC West if you go Chiefs heavy to start your team you know, so there are different ways to but do you it. Can't but do so that what Jack ends up doing is you see the team here if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, he ended up with all players from the NFC East. His quarterback is Dak Prescott. His running backs are Ezekiel Elliott and Antonio Gibson. He has Devontae Smith, Kenny Galladay, and Terry McLaurin as his receivers. Dallas Goddard is his tight end. Miles Sanders is his flex. The Washington football team is his <laughs> DST. He's got Jalen Hurts, JD McKissick, Devontae Booker, Kadarius Tony, Curtis Samuel, and Tony Pollard on his bench. Um, and that's his that's his team. And so you may look at it and say, well, the quarterback is great. He's top five. The two Hold running on, backs, let me, the three slow, running backs. Let me backs. slow it down just in case people miss it. Here's this team, his starters. Dak Prescott, Zeke and Gibson, McLaurin, Galladay, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders at flex, Dallas Goddard at tight end, Washington football team as his DST. And, and honestly, every pick Made sense, right? He, it's not like he reached for anybody. He, he reached uh, in in a couple of instances, but not for his starters. You know, oh, right? And, and and like he took, you know, like the 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 thing that's the weak point of this team is is number two and number three receiver right now. But a month from now, or the start of the season, if Galladay and and Devontae Smith are healthy, that's a legitimate number two receiver and a legitimate number three receiver when you factor in that he took a quarterback early, and so. <laughs> You know, you look at the the roster build. He started with so the way that it unfolded for him. He started with the two running backs. He went Zeke and, and Gibson. He was picking fifth, I believe, and he took McLaurin around three. And then when it got to him around four, he was debating between Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, and Miles Sanders. And he ended up taking Sanders not to do this, but he took Sanders. He's like, oh, look what I just did. And then then he that's when he played it out. So he took Dak in round five, and Dak was right in the quarterback run. Uh, I think I started it with Josh Allen, and then it went Allen. 
Lamar, Kyler, uh, Dak. And then he just kind of, you know, played it out that way. Galladay next, Devontae Smith next, Dallas Goddard next. Curtis Samuel is a very good number four receiver, you know, given that he's healthy. Tony Pollard, the handcuffs to Zeke. You know, it's not horrible. Again, not ideal to do it that way, but it's not horrible the way that the team got put together. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, Chris, I don't know if you had any takeaways. You drafted 10th, so you took Devontae Adams. I took Tyreek Hill shortly thereafter. You went with Adams in round one and Joe Mixon in round two. Would yeah, you... I was actually wondering, just your and I mind picks. Uh, Adams and Mixon or Harrison Hill? Who would you prefer? Uh, Jamie, I guess. Since Adam and I, we know who we'd prefer. No, that's not necessarily true because I didn't have a chance to pick Adams. So what's a better start? He, Adams didn't, have and, chance, he didn't have a chance to pick Harris if he wanted. Right. <laughs> so, Adams and Mixon or, or I, I have Mixon and, higher than, than Harris. Harris oh, okay. Um, I go back and forth on Mixon and Harris and PPR, so I probably would take Chris's team because I like Adams better than Hill. Yeah, I, I, I would take Chris's too because because Adams, to me, just has probably up to 20 more catches than, than Tyreek Hill just based on recent history. Adams and has 85 on, more touchdowns. <laughs> maybe not. But yeah, Adams has uh, been on pace for 110 or more catches three straight seasons. And can Andy Reid please do us all a favor? When you take Mahomes out of the game, take Tyreek Hill out of the game too. <laughs> Uh, and then, the, then there was the Barkley Taylor team right after us. But did would you rather? Okay, in retrospect, Chris, the running backs off the board when you picked Adams were McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook. Kamara went second in this draft. Henry, Zeke, Jones, Eckler, Chubb. Would you rather have Adams and Mixon, or Barkley or Taylor with your first round pick and Stephon Diggs as your wide receiver? Um, I have Mixon as my number six, no, number seven running back. Okay. Well, that settles that. I'm, I'm really, really high on him this year. I, I'm not, I don't know. Have you guys seen Ted Lasso? No, please don't rub it in. I'm not rubbing it in, but you know, there's, (laughs) there's a, a recurring bit where he's like, you know, one of the players, what's the, what's the happiest animal in the world? A goldfish because it has a 10 second memory. I feel like that's how people should treat fantasy football. And so, this like, I'm never drafting Joe Mixon again thing that a lot of people do. His situation hopefully looks like it's going to be completely different. He was already being used in the passing game more often early last season. No Joe Giovanni Bernard this season. Um, there's a chance he gets 75 targets this season. If he gets 75 targets, I think he's going to be a top six wide uh, running back. So, I just I love the situation for him more than I ever have, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm perfectly happy taking him over Jonathan Taylor, or uh, or Saquon Barkley at this point. Okay, so Chris, I have a question though because I know you were so at least early in the process, uh, tight end and all three tight ends in the first mm-hmm. round, and you didn't do it in your first two picks. Have you softened on that stance? No, no, it was mostly just that you know Adams and um, like if. I think Kelsey was already gone by the time I had picked my, yeah, he went the, the pick before me. If it was Adams versus Kelsey, that would have been a tough decision. They're the, the top two non running backs for me, but I do have Mixon higher than the tight ends. Um, you know, the tight ends are more in like the RB eight to 10 range for me. Okay. I just want to see Darren Waller last season averaged 
17.5 fantasy points per game. Has Mixon ever done that? This is in full PPR. He averaged 16.9 last year. PPR? 17.4 in 2018. There you go. So their best years, Waller and Mixon's best years were were basically identical. Um, okay, <clears throat> Jamie, take me through your team and any any you had the third pick and you got Dalvin Cook because, like I said, Camara went with the with the second overall pick. Take me through your team and any things that you liked or didn't like. Um, so you know, I, I think one thing, and, and I would encourage people, especially as our audience continues to grow as the season gets closer and your draft day gets closer. Do some sort of mock drafting. Um, we have a great mock draft product. There are other sites that have great mock draft products. Uh, find a way to try different things. And so I've, for the most part, and I, and I, I do a lot of different strategies because I do a lot of these drafts. But for the most part, I, I find myself too often going running back, running back, and I made it a conscious effort not to do that this time. So a guy that I typically take in the second round was still there, which is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but I was taking the best available wide receiver Um uh which the guy on my board actually was, was Justin Jefferson, but I didn't want to go Vikings-Vikings to start. So I, I took Metcalf as the next available receiver. Uh, so I started running back receiver-receiver with Dalvin Cook, DK Metcalf, and Allen Robinson. Uh, round four was a tough call for me because I, I think Mike Evans as a third receiver is, is pretty impressive. Um, but I wanted to take Daryl Henderson in that spot just because I thought I could find a, a, a third receiver that's still okay and the running back cliff was coming. So the fact that Henderson was still available at 46th overall, I went that route. Uh, I was took the second quarterback off the board because I thought Josh Allen at 51 was a good value pick. Uh, and then the, the player that I was uh, happiest to draft was Michael Thomas at 75th overall in round seven. So Jerry Judy is the third receiver I took at 70th overall. Michael Thomas was my fourth receiver. But if he's healthy by week six or seven, if not sooner, uh, that's a pretty impressive receiving core of Metcalf, Robinson, and Thomas with Judy, a potential flex option. So um, that's the way I started my team. Um, I don't know how much you want me to continue, but uh, I have a lot of you know running backs to cycle through after mm-hmm. that, but I was really happy with how this team came yeah, together. Yeah, well, you, you've got a, a great core for your team. And when you took Josh Allen as the second quarterback off the board, and what'd you say, 51st overall? Yes. You would not have, if you had waited you probably wouldn't have gotten a top five quarterback. You could have gotten Russell Wilson with your next pick, but uh, you, you know you didn't know that at the time. You kicked off a run, so you had an, an early pick, and you took Josh Allen, and, and that's when all the quarterbacks go. So. And, and and just want to uh, clarify something, because I know we did our quarterback preview. I had Lamar Jackson, too, at that point, uh, with all the injuries to the Ravens receivers. I, I, I had those guys so close. I went back to Allen at two, who was my second quarterback when this process started. So the core of Jamie's team is Allen at quarterback, Dalvin Cook, and Daryl Henderson at running back, DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson, and Jerry Judy as his number three receiver. I think tight end and flex are are. I don't know how you feel about them. Irv Smith at tight end, Melvin Gordon at flex. But your flex could be Jerry Judy when Michael Thomas is back. You right. have Elijah Moore. You have Justin Jackson, who you know clearly looks like the 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 number two running back. No, not clearly. No, you don't think so. No, not the way they use Josh Kelly and Larry Roundtree. I think it's more of a mess than we thought. But Jackson so one thing I will started. Point out Jack- Jackson one. was getting the early work. Yeah, yeah he that, got that was yeah. Uh, Kelly was getting most of the passing down stuff. So that, that's the one thing I would add. Right. I, I I think you know the last time we spoke about this, uh, it was coming off of Jonathan Jones' report. JJ was with us. Jonathan works for us. JJ work, uh, was with the Chargers. Um, you know, he said that Jackson has a stranglehold or, or has the position locked down. 
Um, I think the Chargers are still evaluating it. So, you know, Heath was talking about Justin Jackson belonging in like the Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon range. I don't think he should be in that range by any stretch. Okay. And anyway, Melvin, Herb Smith at tight end, Melvin Gordon at flex. I mean, but like I said, it doesn't have to be Melvin Gordon. So, yeah, you got Alexander Madison, Justin Jackson, Latavius Murray with some some upside on the bench there. Yeah, solid team. Uh, you, <clears throat> I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> That's it. And I, I like Irv Smith a lot. He's obviously not in the in the upper echelon of tight ends, but I do think as a uh, you know late round guy, especially how this team came together, I'm, I was thrilled with him. You took Judy over Sutton. I did. T- uh, I don't know. Let me check. You did not. But maybe you would have. I have it ranked that way, so I would have. Yes, but okay. um, Sutton was off the board. Sutton went uh, the round before, or in the same round, six picks or so earlier. Yep. Okay, and yeah, I mean that you could have taken. That was a run on receiver. That was a good receiver round, round six. Higgins, Ayuk, uh, Juju, Sutton, Robbie Anderson, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Boyd, Jerry Judy, Beckham. And then Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas in the next round. Okay. And I think, you know, we get a lot of questions on when's the right time to take Michael Thomas. I think if you're happy with, you know, certainly if you're in a two-receiver league and you're happy with your two starters, that's the easy choice. Uh, but in a three-receiver league like this, I'm very happy with Judy as my third receiver. Um, you mentioned, Adam, that I would like a stronger flex. But I think if you do go uh, quarterback early and it's not unless you're taking four receivers, um, you know, to, to in your first probably five or six picks, then you're going to leave yourself some hole and flex is, is a potential hole for me. Right now, it would be Melvin Gordon, but eventually it could be Michael Thomas and Jerry Judy as that third receiver in the flex spot, and I would love that. Yeah, it's entirely possible Melvin Gordon's just a useful flex for the first handful of games of yep. the season. All right, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on your team and how it came yeah. out. First, though, I want to talk to you about Lightstream, okay? Because if you're like most of us, you carry a balance on your credit cards, and if those cards come with high interest rates, you need... Lightstream, very, very helpful service here. Lower your interest rate and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at 5.93% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. There are no fees, and you can get your money as soon as the day you apply. We have a special offer just for our listeners. So in addition to getting this great rate from Lightstream, it can get even lower if you go to lightstream.com slash FFT. That's the only way you can save even more and get this discount. Lightstream.com slash FFT. That is L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash FFT. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.5% Auto pay discount, lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash FFT for more information. So Chris drafting 10th, he took Devontae Adams and then Joe Mixon in round two. And how'd your team turn out? Yeah, so my starting quarterback, I, I may not have one in week one. I've got Cam Newton and Justin Fields. That That's a combination that I really like going with at quarterback if I'm going to wait though, because... One, you're getting two rushing quarterbacks, so you have that upside. And if they're not starting week one, I'm confident in my ability to find a, a viable streamer. I actually, did Baker Mayfield get drafted in this one? He doesn't usually in our drafts, so I, I think he he's did fine. not. Damn, uh, he dude, the, Cam Newton 
and Justin Fields. Hopefully, by the time Cam Newton loses his job, Justin right, Fields will have gained. That's his. the thought. Is that <laughs> I, I think Justin Fields has top twelve upside when he when he becomes the starter. Yeah. If neither of them starting in Week One, Baker Mayfield's got the Chiefs and the Texans to open the season. Would be perfectly happy to uh, stream him for those two games. My starting running backs are Joe Mixon and Raheem Mostert. My wide receivers are Devonte Adams, Julio Jones, and Robert Woods. I ended up taking TJ Hawkinson for the first time in this draft. I've got Juju Smith-Schuster as my flex. The benches, Justin Fields, A.J. Dillon, Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and Mike Williams. So uh, four sleepers that I like at running my wide receiver. I'm happy with it. Obviously, because I went with you know upside plays at wide receiver on my bench and, or, and with A.J. Dillon at running back, I don't necessarily have a guy who I feel super confident can step in if something happens in week one or week two and I have to start one of them. Although Mike Williams is a, f- a flex and a three wide receiver, I think could be okay. Uh, but I love my starting lineup. I think my starting lineup is really strong. Um, I took TJ Hawkinson in the fifth round. I haven't drafted him this year. I don't necessarily love the breakout potential for him just because I, I think, you know, in addition to the in- increased volume that, he's likely to see this season. I think he just needs to play better. And I'm not sure that's a given with the downgrade from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff. But like Jamie was saying, you know, we do so many drafts. You want to try different things out, see what it looks like. I, I often draft tight ends early, but I either go early or late usually. So I wanted to grab one of the kind of middle-class tight ends and, and see what it looks like. And I'm, I'm very happy with this team. Well, you've only got three running backs. Your wide receivers are absolutely yep. loaded. I, I do wonder maybe if one of the four bench wide receivers, when you're already starting four yeah. wide receivers, if maybe one of them could have been another running back. But uh, your running backs are Mixon and Mostert and A.J. Dillon on the bench. So that's, you know, and then and then you got the quarterback situation with Newton and Fields. But you're right. If, if there's a good place to be weak, quarterback might, might be the one. It's easy to it's easy, the easiest to stream. Um, and Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Robert Woods, and Juju Smith-Schuster are in your starting lineup. Yeah, so, and if there was, if I, yeah, I need another running back for sure. You want more than three running backs on your roster, but with Rashad Bateman, you know, potentially not being available to start the season, if I have to drop him to pick up a, a running back who who pops in the preseason, I'd be okay with that. Okay. And Chris's team is fun. It has a lot of upside. I drafted a team that doesn't really scream upside, which is disappointing. I did a Twitter poll to see how people felt about it. They felt exactly how I felt about it. The overwhelming overwhelming majority said it was kind of oh, fine. You know, it was fine. So I had the 11th pick, and I went with Tyreek Hill and Najee Harris. I was very happy with that. Chris Carson and Marty Cooper were my next two picks. My team is Brady with Trevor Lawrence on the bench. Najee Harris, Chris Carson, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, Amari Cooper, and Brandon Ayuk, and Tyler Higby at tight end. My flex is Chase Edmonds. People hate that Chase Edmonds is my flex. I don't, I'm okay <laughs> with it. I also have James Conner, and uh, I don't really have another reliable running back. Rashad Penny to back up Chris Carson, Daryl Williams as a lottery ticket. My running backs, again, are Najee Harris, Chris Carson, both Cardinals guys and some backups. And um, yeah, it's an okay team. I think what I wanted to look at, what I wanted to talk about here was this range of running backs that's 
really, I think, kind of exciting. And it's to, it was in this draft, it was uh, late round five. So Travis Etienne went with the ninth pick of round five, which surprised me, right after Mike Davis. But Mike Davis, Travis Etienne, Chase Edmonds, who I took. Then you have Michael Carter, Kareem Hunt. You had Javante Williams in round seven. And then James Robinson. I mean, these are pretty useful running backs. And I guess what I'm saying is I could have gone, let's just say I stuck with Tyreek Hill and Najee Harris as my first two picks. Instead of taking Chris Carson in round three, I could have taken Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup. Or Amari Cooper, I would have taken Amari Cooper and Julio Jones. And then I could have taken two of that next group of running backs. I could have taken Chase Edmonds and Javante Williams. And I think that makes my team less safe, but it does make it, it does give it more upside. That's and, another option you could go with. You know, I don't, not to be dogmatic about it, but generally speaking, you should prefer an, an upside build to a safe build because ultimately you're trying to win, you know, a championship. You're not trying to avoid last place. And, you know, I think I would rather have the Cooper-Jones uh, combination and, you know, shoot for the upside there rather than, you know, try to find, like, I guess Carson does have upside, but I don't know how much. Um, I, don't, yeah, weirdly, I don't know. I don't know how much first, upside. Like, 13 plays last uh, on Saturday were pass plays, which I, is interesting. I don't know how much upside Julio Jones has. Um you know, in a low-volume passing offense. Well, I mean, the guy that you, you could have taken was Mahomes. I, you know, I didn't even say that because I figure 99% of the drafts that our listeners are in, Mahomes won't be there. Yeah. But you're right. That, that And I should have taken Mahomes. I would have taken Mahomes, and that would have made my team, I think, better. But uh, like I said, I was doing something at the time. But, uh, you yeah, know, one of the other... I, I, no, hold on. I, I want to ask you guys about Chase Edmonds. Um, this was a tough call for me. So Mike Davis and Travis Etienne just went off the board. I, I would have taken them. But then you got Edmonds, you got Michael Carter, Kareem Hunt, who I'm not, I don't really like Kareem Hunt, to be honest. If there's a Chubb injury, I love him. But I would yeah. not have taken him. But Edmonds, Michael Carter, Kareem Hunt, Javante Williams. But now, now that you saw Javante Williams play, who you like, would you have maybe flipped it and taken Ayuk in round five and taken Williams in round six? I would have... I would have taken Higgins, who went just before my IU, okay, IU so pick. Um, I was hoping Higgins would follow me. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I liked what I saw from Chase Edmonds too. I mean, the numbers weren't great, but I, I, I really think I really like Edmonds. So I want to know how you guys feel about that group. Uh, who you would have taken if you were going to select two out of Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams? Give me your two, Jamie. Um. Now. Yeah. I think Edmonds is definitely in the conversation. I probably would go Williams as the second guy. Over Michael Carter and Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone so so many times back and forth on Carter and, and Williams. Kareem Hunt is just, I think he, he needs Nick Chubb to be hurt, to be, to, to be great. He, I, he, I don't think that's saying much, but that's kind of what we saw last year. When Chubb came back from the injury, Nick uh, Kareem Hunt wasn't that good. Kareem Hunt might be the ultimate example of the difference between fantasy points and points per game last season because he was, I believe, 10th in PPR in uh, total fantasy points at running back. And nobody viewed him as one of the 10 best uh, running backs. He just happened to play 16 games. He was actually a little disappointing when Nick Chubb uh, was out last season, but I think that's 
you know, mostly a fluke. I think he'll be very good if if Chubb yeah. is out. And um, as I pointed out, I mean, two of the first three games he played with with Nick Chubb, he got a ton of garbage time work. There was a blowout win and a blowout loss. So I I could see a pretty disappointing role for Kareem Hunt. And if you're drafting him because you think the Browns are going to have two viable starting options yeah. in fantasy in their backfield, I it, it happened in the first three games of 2020. It didn't really happen when Nick Chubb got back, and I I don't expect it to happen again. So that's why. But I... But you also saw what the upside could be in the four games that Chubb was out. Yeah, but that but but that's the thing. Like if James Conner gets hurt, which happens all the time, then Chase Edmonds has a ton of upside yes, there. You can right. see the upside of that. For if sure. Melvin Gordon gets hurt, Javante Williams is I think has more upside than all of them. Uh, so right, Very right. Fair. So they all that's that's a situation for all of them. So one, yeah, one ahead. thing I would say um, when you're talking about upside. Once you already have Tom Brady, I get the upside of Trevor Lawrence, but unless Brady gets hurt, it seems pretty unlikely that you're going to use Trevor Lawrence too often. I mean, this was, uh, this was my second to last pick. Yeah. This no, but that's what I'm pick. saying is I, I'd rather take a flyer late on another running back or a wide receiver at that range just because like, maybe you would use Lawrence in week three because Brady's got the Rams, but... He's got the Cowboys, Falcons, Rams, Patriots, Dolphins, Eagles to open the season. I think the Rams are the only ones you'd even consider sending him for. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, so, I, we have this discussion so often. I, yeah, that's just a general roster construction thing for me. I'd rather take an, a chance on an upside wide receiver than an upside uh, You're just saying that because I took Lawrence the pick before you were going to take him. Uh, I might have taken him. <laughs> yeah, that's when you took Cam Newton. Uh, so right, and you took Fields, obviously. I'm guessing before that, the the oh, round just before, before that. Yeah. Okay. All right, good stuff. And we'll read some emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com after a quick break on fantasy football today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I want to thank everybody for your emails. I want to thank you all for your Apple Podcast questions. Remember to keep those coming. We'll read those on a mailbag. Um, and uh, we have sleepers, breakouts, and busts this week, by the way. Also, no more keeper questions in the Apple Podcast questions, please. This is from James in a silly town, a silly named town in New Jersey. Mawa. It's Hohokus, New Jersey. New Jersey does have some fun city names. Guess so. My league, 
my league is going from one QB to two QBs this year. It's two quarterbacks, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. Could you explain your draft strategy, Jamie, and how it differs in two QB leagues compared to one? Five point per passing touchdown, half PPR. You want to get those quarterbacks early. Uh, you know, that's certainly something that, you know, you, you should try to do. Don't necessarily sacrifice great players in doing that, but, you know, you, you, you see the way the quarterback position is looking right now, and there are very, very good late-round options, but those guys are going to go sooner than you think. So um, what I usually try to do is try to get one quarterback in the first two rounds. Again, I'm not going to reach, so if there's a huge run on quarterbacks, then I will sacrifice the position a little bit. But um, I try to get one in the first two rounds and then you know play the board a little bit. And, and again, come down, it comes down to who you're drafting with and knowing how that they, they typically – uh, focus on that position, but uh, I like to get at least one early, two early if preferable, but um, certainly more of a priority in the position than one quarterback league. Give me your top five picks in a two-quarterback league that's half PPR. Uh, Mahomes one, McCaffrey two, Cook three, Allen four, Jackson five. Jackson five. I know them. All right. <laughs> All right, from, from Rico, this is something I never got to bring up on the tight end preview, Chris, but if you look at Darren Waller's season, says Rico, he really had two huge huge games at the end of the year but was pretty much an average tight end before that. Is that what you want from an early, from a second or early third round pick? Uh, by the way, I would really say he had about five great games at the end of the year, but it is true that he was a little underwhelming uh, before that Jets game where he went off. He had a weird season because very early on, his yards per target was incredibly low. His his average depth of target was really low, but I, I think that's underselling things quite a bit. Uh, before that Jets game, he had games of 28.5, 17.8, 15.8, 17, uh, and 21.8. So still, he was a little inconsistent. He had three games with fewer than 10, uh, or four games with fewer than 10 PPR points in his first uh, 11? Yeah. But he's still mixed in some really big performances. And yeah, but here's his pace, though. 93 catch. This is in his first 11 games. Waller last year. His pace was 93 catches, 788 yards, and seven touchdowns. Nobody's touching that in the first, in the second round or the third round, probably. Um, but then I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the I don't know if you said the A dot, but you said his yards per target. His A dot went way up after that, and so it started 7.9, 9.0, 13.6, 17.0, and those were basically five. Those were five of his six highest A dot games, beginning with that Jets game. So his role changed. He started going downfield more, and it really paid off. It's something to keep an eye on early in the season from Darren Waller. If he's struggling in the ADOT's low, that happened last year. So it was a, it was a really big shift uh, in those five games. And in those five games, uh, he had he had four touchdowns, and he had 654 yards. In his last five games, Darren Waller was on pace for 2,093 yards. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a big shift. So... Two things I would say is, one, he averaged 14 PPR points per game with only three touchdowns in 2019. Um, so, you know, obviously that's pretty good. And yeah, the 786 yards or whatever it was through the first 11 games, 
that's bad. 93 catches and seven touchdowns. Like if, if he gets 93 catches, he's going to have a thousand plus yards. He's going to have, a, you know, maybe 1100 yards. I, I think um, that was just a weird start to the season. Yes, it was 11 games, but you're still talking about relatively small sample sizes. And, you know, when you're talking about an 11 game sample size, one big play could, could change that yards per reception a lot. You know, yards per reception is the kind of thing that does. Um, no, but I was talking about ADOT. I wasn't talking about Right, right, right. No, no, I, I get that. Um, but he's such a good player both down the field and with the ball in his hands that, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where when a guy's averaging nine yards per reception, or I think he was under nine yards per reception, one long play could change the way that looks entirely. And so I don't put too much stock in that. I'm not too concerned about it. It's in my mind. And, you know, I feel like Kittle's a little bit safer in terms of his production uh, just because he's been doing it for longer. But what we've seen from Waller the last two seasons, the role he has in that offense, um, the the low yardage early on in the season or for that first 11 games, it, it really doesn't bother me. Okay, here's Brian from a city smack dab between New York City and Philadelphia. Oh, man, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. Um, <clears throat> Scranton, is that in the middle or is that off to the side? I'm going to talk. It's probably Princeton. Uh, oh, Trenton? Yeah, I forgot. It's probably, it's probably Princeton. All right. Here's, Batman? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a Batman marathon on yesterday, I think. Oh, Chris, did you watch the White Lotus finale? I have not yet. That'll be our, our Monday night show. I'm very excited. I think it might be the weirdest show I've ever seen. It's um, basically pointless, yet somehow uh, entertaining. So yeah, so weird good. show. Jennifer Coolidge should win all of the awards for this show. She is who? The Spot? the lady with her mom's. Uh, oh, ashes. oh, she's Stifler's mom. Yeah, her on the boat. That that is just like an all time television scene. It was really she funny. Incredible. Okay, due to the wide receiver depth this year, I haven't heard you guys talk about zero wide receiver. It seems like everyone agrees that they like wide receivers that are going later in the draft. So why isn't the strategy um, of drafting being brought up or implemented more? I went through Fantasy Pros ADP to determine what a team could look like. So, Jamie, uh, this draft, this mock from Brian in Princeton, uh, is Aaron Jones, 7th overall, Joe Mixon, 18th, Swift, Dobbins, or Carson, 31st, Lamar Jackson, and TJ Hawkinson. So his first five picks would be Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, let's say DeAndre Swift, Lamar Jackson, TJ Hawkinson. And then, and then you take Jamar Chase, and then you take Robbie Anderson, and then Will Fuller or something like that. What do you think about that kind of team? The, the, the risk involved with that is obviously you're taking three players at the most volatile position and hoping that they all hit um, to the level of either what they have in the past, like Aaron Jones, or as Chris talked about, you know, what Joe Mixon can do this year. And then DeAndre Swift, we know he's battling an injury already. So uh, you're just, you know, putting a, a little bit more dynamite on your roster. The problem is that those guys do hit, then you're going to be in, in great shape if those receivers hit. So it's just a matter of, you know, what your, you know, risk aversion is and, and the, the potential reward. Um, I don't love it. I've done it a, a few times, uh, not necessarily going quarterback and tight end with the fourth and fifth round picks. You know, typically I'd look for receivers there, but um, 
it, it can it can work. You're just you know uh, putting a lot of ifs on your team. Now, I think the big thing is like I almost did. I pretty much did this in the flex league. I didn't take my first wide receiver until round five. Um, I had Jackson. Out you picked the wrong league to do that though. Uh, yeah, wide receiver because of the, were, how how it unfolded. Yeah, wide receivers were very were very inflated, and two flex spots also makes wide receivers more more valuable. Um, and I ended up just going for a bunch of upside wide receivers. You know, Jamar Chase, Will Fuller, Michael Hardman, Rondell Moore, Jalen Rager, Curtis Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, Paris Campbell. Uh, I, I hope I can get four useful wide receivers out of that, or five useful wide receivers, but. Um, the, the thing about, you know, historically the way the positions work relative to one another is running backs have more upside, uh, especially in the early rounds that basically, and they hit about the same rate in the first three rounds in terms of like getting to 200 points. Um, after that wide receivers become much more predictable than running backs, but as with running back, you're still passing up on upside, uh, with wide receivers once you get out of the first couple of rounds. And so that's that's where you know you you run into some issues where you're getting you know quote unquote safe wide receivers after the the first five rounds but they don't necessarily have the huge upside um but wide receivers are inconsistent from week to week that's just kind of the the way the position works more so than than running backs and so you know you could end up being really frustrated with the situation that you have and if you should assume one out of every three starting running backs is probably going to suffer some sort of injury that costs him significant time. And then, you know, even the hit rate on those early round running backs is like 70% in terms of getting to 200 PPR points. So it's just, it's inviting a lot of risk on your team. It's, it's a viable strategy. Anything's a viable strategy, but if you're going to go three running backs with your first three picks in a two running back league, you probably shouldn't draft more than one or two other running backs the rest of the draft like if you take three running backs with your first three picks and then draft a a james robinson in the eighth round i think that's probably a mistake mm-hmm. all right all right everybody go to cbssports.com slash ebay start bidding help us raise some money for saint jude we'll talk to you on tuesday with some sleepers we obviously have breakouts and busts coming later this week as well thanks to jamie thanks to chris thanks to ben Schrager and batman and we will talk to you tomorrow on fantasy football League. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 